You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I chat with Anna Tutkea, head of marketing at ManyChat, to learn how she ran a virtual event that drove 3,500 new paid accounts and over 25,000 signups. You'll learn the channels that drove the most signups for them, how they attributed signups to the event, how they determined the scope of content for the summit, and what made them choose a virtual summit in the first place, as well as the hardest and most important parts of running a virtual event. If you're interested in running an event of any size at any point in your company, you're going to want to listen to this and you'll get a ton of value out of it. I really hope you enjoy it. Anna, thank you so much for joining us on Metrics and Chill. It's an honor to have you here. Like I told you before I hit the record button, this is one of our, uh, one of the most, uh, the biggest Q&A responses we've ever received around this topic. So I'm really excited to have you on. I'm so glad. Thanks a lot for having me, Jeremiah. I'm excited to do this conversation. We're excited to have you. So you're head of marketing at ManyChat, and a way we typically kick things off is, can you give a quick overview of what ManyChat is? Like, what's the elevator pitch for ManyChat? Absolutely. ManyChat is a chat marketing platform that allows businesses to build automation and chatbots on platforms like Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp. We also have SMS and email on the platform as well. So you can look at it as an omni-channel platform that businesses can use to acquire new customers, to retain the existing ones, and just make sure that all marketing is in one place. Awesome. What kind of metrics, I mean, in a moment, we're going to get into the topic of specifically how you used Instagram Summit or IG Summit to drive a bunch of signups um, and paid accounts for many chat. But beyond just tracking free trials and then conversion to paid trials, what are some of the other KPIs or metrics that are important to your team? You pretty much mentioned the most important ones, right? We are very concerned uh, and always track our free and paid accounts growth. But what is even more important for us is the lifetime value and net revenue retention for our customers. Because you can drive, you know, as much traffic as like many customers as you can, but if they don't retain, then you're pretty much running on the trade mill. So we want to make sure that, you know, we re- we acquire those that will stay with us the longest. Interesting. Is that, um, is that, we'll continue. I, you have another, you keep going with your thought. I have a question about that, but keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And then when we analyze, you know, our metrics, we normally slice and dice them that, uh, show us first of all, you know, by industries, what industries, you know, um, is effective to acquire, but then also what industry stays with us longer and have the highest net revenue retention. Then uh, we look at it by the channel usage. So out of those, you know, who come to use to manage chat, um, do those who use, let's say, Instagram automation, you know, 
have the highest lifetime value. And then from the marketing perspective, same thing pretty much. Um, out of you know the channels that we use to acquire customers, which one of those you know uh, bring us the most valuable customers with you know the highest lifetime value, net revenue retention, and average value per per customer? Do your customers expand a fairly wide base? Is it agencies, SaaS, etc., or is your ICP fairly narrow? It's pretty wide, and that's actually something that we're working on right now, you know, to make it more narrow, because currently we have uh, customers who are e-commerce businesses. We have mom and pop shops, you know, local businesses. We uh, have infopreneurs, you know, who are selling their online courses. So a huge, huge variety of customers uh, across the globe. And honestly, from the marketing perspective, that's always a challenge, right? Because you want to make sure that you understand your customer, that you address the needs of a very specific customer. And that's how you get, you know, the most uh, efficient, as efficient as possible. So right now, the goal of the company is to define, you know, that ideal customer persona and uh, to start, you know, focusing on you know, that one persona versus going very spread around the board. Right. So when you're looking at impacting net revenue retention specifically, this is done through driving higher intent users and also reverse engineering through segments. You're saying like who have been the types of customers that retain the longest, that get the most use and value out of the product is this, are you seeing, do you see consistencies there by industry or is it more by the features they prefer within ManyChat or is it the use case or the pain that they're coming to solve? How, how do you think about what are some of the segments that make up for better net revenue retention? Uh, first of all, we're still discovering that, but what I can tell is definitely by industry. And that's pretty much comes from not only by industry, but the value that the product, you know, provides and the return on investment the customer is getting from your product. Um, so that's one thing. And also by the acquisition channel, you know, for sure. So for example, when we see that um, new customers that are, you know, uh, acquired through direct response ads, they stay with us less compared to those who came from either, you know, referrals, word of mouth, or those who went through our, you know, educational set of programs um, through, let's say, webinars, on-demand events, or summits. And that's exactly the reason why I am personally so passionate about online education and making that the main lead magnet for acquiring the new users. And the idea there, I'm guessing, is you're maybe taking longer to convert them or, you know, you're maybe meeting them at a time when maybe some people would call it like creating demand or generating demand where they're maybe not even totally in the market for the exact thing or or looking to solve the pain right now, but you're educating them on the broad are you educating them on the product or kind of like on a wide set of education that they might be interested in? And then when they're ready, they're kind of coming into many chat. We do both. Um, so there are two ideas behind that and you pretty much, you know, mentioned both of them. So first of all, 
I really think that with oversaturating advertising market, you can't hit the customer with direct response ad, uh, introduce the brand, you know, within one banner or like 15 seconds video and say, go buy me now, especially in the B2B world um, that doesn't work this way any longer. So you need to figure out what value, you know, you can bring to your potential customers. So they're, you know, excited about uh, it, either, you know, a piece of content that you offer or online event or anything else, you know, that makes sense to your business. So that's one thing. And normally this thing should be related, but not closely, you know, to your offer. It should be something of more value and more related, you know, to your customer. So for example, with IG Summit, right, the product that we offer is Instagram automation. And when you get to igsummit.com, you see that we don't talk a lot about automation there. The topics are pretty wide. But then once people join the summit and start going through content, there are different types of content that we offered. Like there, there is white type of content. There is more how to's on the white topic. So for example, how to grow your, you know, Instagram followers, which a lot of businesses are interested in. You don't necessarily use many chat for those, but still we want to be helpful, you know, in that sense. But then there is also the third type of topic and content that we offer, which is automation, why automation, how automation can help you to, you know, get a higher ROI, so on and so forth. And then also what was extremely helpful for us is hands-on workshops where, you know, folks who attend the summit can actually learn, you know, on how to use the product and get the results right out of the gate. So in this way, like we decrease the cost per acquisition by offering a very valuable content uh, and then we push them down the funnel by you know offering content that is more related you know to the brand but still of interest to the audience and then this audience eventually converts to free and then paid users yeah this is awesome this makes a ton of sense and I want to get to, it makes a lot of sense then in why, you know, this event was chosen and the scope of content around it in the first place. But before getting to that, I'm curious, how often are you tracking, you mentioned LTV, net revenue retention, um, signups, trial to conversion. How often are you looking at these metrics and are these being shared with the entire marketing team or is this only executives? How are you thinking about frequency of tracking them and monitoring them? That's a really good question. So it really depends on the depth of tracking. So first of all, before, you know, coming up with the OKRs, which we do on the yearly and then quarterly basis, we analyze the data that we that we have. And that's always a very deep dive in into, okay, what do we see from the growth perspective? What do we see from the retention perspective? What do we see when we slice and dice data? And then what decisions, you know, we make based on this data and those decisions normally inform where we want to, you know, move next, go next. So that's one thing. Uh, it is done with the help of the analytics team. And after we have clear understanding of the data, it is always shared, you know, with the rest of the organization. First of all, everyone in the company uh, has access to Tableau, where we 
host, you know, all of the data and pretty much anyone can go ahead and see um, everything, like pretty much all the metrics um, that, um, you know, we um, made an effort to put together. And then once we define um, the OKRs, you know, based on this metrics, we track them on a very regular basis. In fact, it's once per week where, first of all, as a leadership team, we get together and we look, okay, how are we tracking towards those metrics that we identified as the most important for the quarter? And then the marketing team does pretty much the same thing because the marketing team is responsible for, you know, a lot of especially uh, upper funnel metrics. And then every meeting starts with how are we doing against those? Okay. So this is something that basically the entire team might not be creating content within Tableau, but they're, the entire team's able to go in and visualize company-wide performance, um, ask questions about it, and then you're looking at these, team, at these metrics as a marketing team on a weekly basis and just sort of how you're tracking against the quarter's goal. Is that about yeah, right? Okay. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Okay, so now jumping into uh, IG Summit, which is uh, everyone apparently wants to know, you know, how, how you were able to achieve these amazing results. Um, so I'm really excited to talk with you about this. Uh, how did you set first getting into it? You mentioned the, I was going to ask what the onus was, like why, as I'm guessing the, the primary thing you're looking to drive is the free trial signups or the pro trial signups. And, uh, so why an event? Uh, and then I was going to ask, you know, why this event, but it seems like given the answer that you just gave me, it's something to the effect of you found that when you dive into net revenue retention, education-based channels perform better and specifically, uh, users that come in, in order to solve the problem of Instagram messaging or Facebook messaging are also part of that high intent, um, high revenue retention segment. And so it seems like a natural fit. Was there more that went into it than that, that led you to do, I guess, a summit in the first place in this topic in particular? Um, yeah, I think I can tell a story on why summit. Um, let me think, where should I start? So since we're focusing specifically on Instagram, uh, because we as a company used to have offline events, you know, for our existing users where we had over 1000, you know, customers coming into one place where we would run a lot of educational trainings, a lot of like content uh, produced for that one as well, which we uh, had two years in a row, you know, before COVID hit. So we were already um, prone to, you know, the events in general as a marketing team, but specifically uh, highlight, you know, on the IG Summit, we launched Instagram automation in, when was that? May, 2021. And when launching a new product, uh, 
you put together go-to-market strategy, right? Where you define, okay, what channels you're going to use to acquire new customers? What budget do you have? And what is going to be the distribution of the budget? And initially, I thought that the majority of the budget would be distributed towards ads because that's normally the fastest, right? Especially, I don't know, back in the days, I'm not sure if you remember or not, when you put the $1 in, you get four out. Okay, that's <laughs> <laughs> no longer the case, but you know, still. And um, so the budget is set in stone. I have, you know, a lot dedicated to ads. We start launching the ads, it doesn't work. Like it, the performance was so, so bad, like 10x, you know, uh, worse, you know, than I expected. And as wow. a team, we started figuring out pretty much why, why, you know, the ads that we launched for Instagram automation is so different. You know, the results are so different compared to messenger automation. And what we learned, uh, we actually took the whole funnel, you know, that the user is going through starting from, you know, seeing the ad to converting to pro. And what we learned is the metrics for, you know, top of the funnel where like cost per click, cost per, you know, the landing page view, um, then cost per the first steps of the registrations were on par or even better than messenger automation. But then throughout the registration funnel, we were losing a ton, a ton of folks. And what we learned there as a marketing team is that in order for a user to register with ManyChat and start using Instagram automation, they need to go through a lot of hurdles that um, we just had like throughout this registration process. And we started working very, very closely with our product team, with analytics team, and to trying to simplify the process. Unfortunately, we could not simplify all of it uh, because there were a lot of requirements from uh, Facebook itself, from Meta now, um, that our user had to connect a lot of, you know, different channels. So pretty much direct response ads at the end of the day did not work for us. So as a marketing team, we started thinking, uh, but what would work? And we started analyzing other channels, though they had uh, less budget and less volumes, therefore dedicated to them. And we learned that, let's say, influencers that generate traffic for us uh, and generate users are way more effective from the cost per acquisition of the free and paid user. And then also on-demand educational events were also very effective. And since I had to react pretty fast and um, you can only get so far with um, acquisition for online webinars, we decided to launch, you know, the big, huge summit. So we can acquire a lot of users at the same time, and then make sure that those users convert into paid users at the end of the day. It's so cool to hear uh, the actual teardown of how something like that happens and how you adjust it in real time. Because a lot of times we talk to people and, oh, well, this channel was always part of the plan. So it's cool to hear a story of how you sort of had to react in real time to something that wasn't performing well, um, and then be able to find something that was and, and kind of pivot on the fly. Um, so how did you arrive? You mentioned that your goals for the event were 25,000 registrations and 1,000 pro trial accounts, so your paid 
uh, trial accounts. How did you arrive at that goal? I'm asking for two reasons. One is that's an, that's an incredibly audacious, like to me, that's an awesome, (laughs) but very like ambitious goal. Uh, it's it's just massive. Like I, if I thought about putting on an ev- our first data box event, right? Because to me, events are so difficult, uh, especially since COVID, with more brands doing them virtually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so challenging. It feels to get people's attention and to give them something worthwhile. So, what led you? How did you arrive at the goal numbers of twenty five thousand and a thousand? First of all, it was the second event in a row. Um, the first one we had in July 2021, and that one, the second happened in April uh, 2022. So for the one that we had in July, um, we, I think we hit 8,000 registrations, and I don't remember what was the conversion for uh, free and paid users, honestly, so I don't want to just come up with a number out of nowhere. But what we learned there is 8,000 sound like it, it sounded very ambitious for us at that time, and we did it. So when we were planning uh, the second event, we were like, we wanted to be the biggest, you know, Instagram summits um, in the world, like in 2022. And uh, we started thinking big right out of the gate. So we uh, took basically the budget that we had for the year and were able to spend on the events. And based on the initial summit results that we had, we basically came up with those goals. Those were very, very ambitious. And honestly, I think because they were so ambitious, we were able to even outperform them. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And you were able to get Seth Godin on, I saw, which was incredible. I saw him listed on the website and I thought that's amazing. Uh, I mean, he's not especially active on Instagram, right? So was he like a keynote person? He was a keynote person. um, And, you know, going back to your question, we didn't want the event to be solely focused on, you know, Instagram tactical metrics. We wanted there, you know, to have marketers who have been, you know, stars in the industry for quite a while. And honestly, as a marketer, I think everything comes down to pretty basic, basic stuff, which Seth Godin always talks about right in his book. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his. And, um, you need to know your customer, right? You need to know their pain points. You need to understand how your brand, you know, provides value based on these pain points. And without those basics, um, you can't achieve any results. You can't grow your business. So it was essential for us to find a speaker that can cover, you know, such topics. Yeah, I've always found that to be true. And that's always why he's been a huge influence on me, probably like thousands of other marketers, but that everything he speaks to feels like it's he's giving advice for all time because it's speaking to human behavior versus or timeless truths about marketing versus sort of things that are working in 2022 or even things that are working this decade, right? Like inbound marketing or something. So yeah, I Absolutely. completely agree. And we had a very healthy Um, mix of speakers. Um, 
yeah, outside, if you, if you want to dive into that uh, outside of that, right, where uh, we had folks um, who are more business oriented and who build their, you know, businesses on Instagram. We had folks, you know, who used ManyChat in order, you know, to help them grow their businesses on Instagram. And we had ManyChat educators, you know, who at the end of the day put this content all together and through a series of workshops, you know, allowed to integrate all the materials. So everyone who participated at the summit could start seeing the results uh, as fast as possible. So it was a good mix. How did, how did you arrive at the mix that you did of guests and how did you actually get them? So the, the scope of content that you're articulating was that, did you allow the guests to kind of, did you know who you wanted and you let them pick the things that they wanted to talk about? Or did you intentionally start with sort of the content with the end in mind and say, we want this broad content. And then you went out and found the best people to speak to that. The letter. Yeah, we were pretty confident um, in terms of what content do we want to have at the summit that we wanted to have broader, you know, more actionable, but not related to many chat and then very actionable related to many chat. Um, so having that in mind, we found, you know, a list of speakers, we reached out to those speakers, but then every speaker had a lot of freedom in choosing the topic that they want to address, but that was still related, you know, to the niche that we place them within the content funnel. So you had, okay, so this is like a three tiered funnel, so so to speak, sort of this broad, this maybe middle action, middle applicable, then like a very hyper many chat specific content. And you would choose just a set number of speakers for each. And that way you were able to kind of strike, it sounds like a really beautiful balance of letting the speakers say what's they're passionate about and what they're strong at, but you also were able to do this wide breadth of applicability to your audience. Absolutely. Um, how did you actually drive attendance? Let's go there because this is something I'm always just impressed when anyone, when any teams are able to do something like this, it's just so impressive to me because I think attention is so scarce. And like I said, especially post COVID, uh, you know, when more and more brands maybe have awakened to virtual events, virtual summits and things like that, um, it seems like that there's this, that there's this challenge to get their attention and to actually, uh, drive awareness of it. So how, how did you actually get all these signups? That's a really good question. And I would say the whole success that we had is based on the team that we have at ManyChat and that the focus, I would say, that the team had when working on the event. So honestly, for you know a couple of quarters, that was the main goal. And there were only few smaller projects outside of that. So that was, I think, one of the biggest reasons for success. And of course, our, you know, head of content that huge shout out to her. <laughs> she is just gold and uh, she uh, is amazing, you know, putting together such an event. 
If we were just to focus on the channels, I am a proponent of omni-channel approach. You can't do anything, you know, with just one channel. And when someone comes to me and says, you know, Anna, Facebook ads don't work anymore, like, or um, like Google ads or whatever. And, and I normally answer that you're right. Like it doesn't work if you look at it as an isolated channel like right. i think we're gone the, like those days are gone but when you start thinking on you have so many you know channels within your toolbox how can you get you know the most out of those channels so that's how we approached um acquisition you know for for the summit so if you want to dive deeper into the channels, we were basically tapping into the speakers, you know, who were heavily promoted, uh, prom prom promoting the event. Uh, we had a huge set of influencers, uh, which actually on, you know, a separate topic, when you work with the influencer and you ask the influencer to promote a product, especially B2B product, it's pretty challenging. It's way more exciting for them to promote something like, like the event where they can show the value, you know, for their followers right away. So influencer was a like huge channel for us then ads and within the ad space we tested out all sorts of facebook ads instagram ads uh paid search ads so we spent you know i would say over um hundred thousand dollars uh for ads uh, but, you know, within that very quickly, we defined which type uh, of ad was the most efficient. And then we focused just on that one. And then a lot of a lot of nurturing. So every lead, every registrant that we acquired um, received, you know, a very streamlined um, communication through emails. If they registered right away, then in-apps. Um, and we kept it until, you know, the first days of summit. And then we had a huge series of post summit communications to them uh, with the goal of converting them to the users. So a very healthy, good mix of uh, acquisition channels. So, yeah, it sounds like speakers, influencers, ads, and then nurturing registrants is, do you have a rough idea of which ones were more effective than others? Was one of those channels especially effective? Uh, I would say I want to highlight three. So first of all, um, speakers, they were extremely effective, influencers, and within the ads, I was actually surprised um, quite a lot. Within the ads, this native lead form that you can do through Facebook ads was the most effective for us. Wow, okay. And I can even give more, you know, uh, background and maybe more color to that. When initially I was seeing such results from the team and the team was so excited. Um, let me actually pull the numbers, like specific numbers, how much it cost us. So we paid uh, $3 for every registrant through native Facebook lead forms. 
three dollars wow. can you imagine that and i was like guys we're doing something wrong we're getting so many leads they're not <laughs> These are spam emails <laughs> exactly those are spam emails they're not going to convert they're not going to show up but at the end of the day when i see uh the numbers and i also see cost per ig summit visitor these lead forms are the lowest can you imagine that? So those people actually wow. showed up. And what we did, um, and like we weren't waiting, you know, until the summit just to, you know, be either positively or negatively surprised. What we did throughout the way is we analyzed uh, the email performance of those leads. Were they dramatically different from the rest of the Facebook ads, you know, where we drove traffic to uh, the event landing page and then compared to other channels like through influencers uh, or speakers. And pretty much the open rates and click-through rates for those uh, emails were the same. They were a little bit lower, but then when you compare the cost per acquisition, you know, and then this little difference didn't, wasn't a huge one. So that was a big so, surprise. So <laughs> that's incredible. So sorry, were you saying that uh, the last point there, does that mean that the native... So they're submitting or they're opting in, they're, they're opting in their email natively, you know, within the feed. You're saying that conversion was roughly the same as still running the same paid ads, but taking them to enter their email on your website? Yeah, exactly. So, there so were... it had to be just the, your creative and targeting was so good or your messaging was, was right on. I would say so. Uh, and we didn't, you know hit it right out of the gate, the amount of creatives and messagings we launched was huge. And it was constantly new and fresh. And um, with every speaker, you know, that signed up, there was like always a whole new series of ads that we launched. But um, yeah, that was pretty much, I think, the reason. And then I, I would say, that and then the second one is the whole nurturing part so if we drop those leads you know and then waited until the summit to show up at the event we wouldn't have such success it's constant communications relevant communications you know to those folks you know enable them to stay warm throughout multiple months and then you know consume the content when once it was live wow um was there a referral component to that as well? I was curious, like if I signed up and registered for the event, would I be prompted in the email to bring a friend or something? We did not have that, honestly. Maybe we'll try it next time. I was just curious. Um, the The influencers, were these influencers that you had prior to IG Summit or did you get them specifically for IG Summit? I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, so it's actually a very interesting topic. So we did a healthy combination of both. So we had influencers that we've been partnering with for the product, and we also onboarded, you know, the ones, the new ones. And then the results showed that the existing uh, the existing influencers whose followers already knew, you know, what ManyChat was, who were warm, obviously generated better results. But then it's a learning for us, you know, to do a different mix when we do, you know, the next summit. 
But then the cool thing about influencers and events, it's way easier to onboard new influencers when you offer something like Summit. I've already, I think, mentioned that. And then maybe they didn't generate great results for that specific event, but then it opened the door for us. So we could start, you know, the new fresh collaboration with a new set of influencers. So that was, you know, a positive thing to it. And are these similar to your speakers in, in, in that they're speaking to what they're already have audiences of people that are trying to build businesses on Instagram and things like that? Uh, would they fit kind of that same criteria or was there something different about an influencer that would make them different than a speaker? First of all, some of the influencers that we um, had been partnering for quite a while were speakers. So that was definitely the case. But then I would say um, not all speakers were influencers. You know, some of the mm. speakers, again, like Seth Godin, um, he did not promote the event, right? And if you, in fact, were to check out his Instagram page, it's not very active. And we mm. had other folks like that, which were incredibly... Um, thoughtful, well-known, they had outstanding materials, but they were not influencers in the sense that they could help us generate, you know, uh, ticket sales. Okay. Um, and when you, so when you drove the registrants, this is, they're getting registered online. How were you, I know this, we got a couple questions around this, which we'll, we'll, we're almost at the audience uh, question segment because we have to leave so much room for them because uh, you got so many. But um, there's when you signed everyone up online for the event, how did you track or attribute uh, free trial or paid, you know, paid account trials through to the event? So, um on the events um, landing page, we have our pre-built, we call it Visitor GS tracking, and pretty much everybody who um, signs up, we track them throughout the funnel. We track them if they, you know, uh, start using ManyChat, and then like once they register, we have all the information about them. So that's one thing. The other thing is. Um, it doesn't work for everyone because not all people, you know, accept this tracking, especially after iOS 14 changes, like a lot of folks could opt out. We could also connect their uh, emails, you know, if they uh, pretty much use the same one when registering the product, that would be the second one. And lastly, uh, for those who were generated through influencers, Influencers also had their campaign set that it was like a funnel where they initially, you know, introduced uh, the summit and then they introduced the product and then they introduced the um, pro upgrade coupon code that folks could use, you know, to test out the product for a month for like all features for free. And so we could also add that uh, like coupon usage into, you know, the analytics mix. Okay, awesome. That makes a ton of sense. Was there, uh, what do you feel was the 
hardest part of pulling all of this off for people that are going to be listening and considering doing something similar? The whole thing sounds challenging, but what do you think are the hardest things? And following up on that, what would be some advice you'd give if a brand did want to try and do this the same thing? Do you feel, I'm curious, for example, if you felt you could have done this prior to this stage of the company or did there need to be a certain amount of, do you advise there to be a certain amount of funding or product market fit or growth or having your messaging locked in or, um, yeah, any advice. So I always ask these two parts. <laughs> yeah. It's so unfair for guests. So part one, uh, did you, what was the hardest part of pulling this off? And part two, what advice would you have for mm-hmm. others that want to do the same? Okay, let's start with the hardest part. I think the hardest part is always content because if your content sucks, no one is going to register and um, sign up. So really, really figuring out, first of all, what content resonates with your you know, ideal customer persona that you're planning to acquire. That's, you know, number one thing. And the way we um, normally go around it is we communicate with our existing customers pretty often. So we have a huge community on Facebook where we actually ask questions like, hey, guys, what do you want to learn? Like, what is exciting for you? What is interesting for you? Then we do a research on what's out there, what's new, uh, what the market is interested in, you know, through, I don't know, SEM rush and just keywords, you know, that you can see what are the most popular, you know, within the space. And then you define, okay, what content, you know, what would be that content mix? I think that was one part, but then the hardest part was to match that with the speakers and finding the speakers and also finding them and signing contracts on the very regular basis. So you always have something to announce because I mentioned to you that this nurturing and communication to those who purchased the ticket or got the ticket earlier was the most essential part. So we wanted to make sure that every week we had something cool and new to announce or something, you know, of interest or to share something about the speaker or maybe some of the, you know, top things that the speaker is going to talk about, maybe adding one hint on what you can actually start doing right out of the gate. So having all that and synced was the most, uh, I think the hardest part. Having, being able to have enough good content to kind of continually promote the event from the time the registrant signed up to the day that the event went live. Exactly. I think that was the one. And the second one is from the ads perspective, the reason why we were able to get such great results with paid ads is because we had, again, a lot of content, high quality content, very visually, you know, um, visually effective content uh, to promote on Facebook and to constantly iterate. So the, you know, targeted audience that like, it sounds like, I don't, you know, like three, four millions, you go through it pretty quickly. So it's not like it didn't get bored, but it constantly saw some, some, something new and eventually, you know, converted into summit registrants. So we had a lot of like amazing design team that helped, you know, with that. 
And it sounds like foundationally too, if a company is considering doing this, it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like one of the core things you all really had going in your favor was this net revenue retention, you know, that you had begun segmenting out and figuring out the industries or the, you know, or the roles or the solutions that they like this, this seems like the epitome of a strategic event from beginning to end where you're, you're taking a feature that you rolled out, you're creating an event around it, but you're doing it at these three education levels so that you're not just being self-promotional and you're also not just being purely like ethereal, like, you know, highly educating. And then you're targeting sounds like you, you knew you kind of could have some idea through what you were measuring that you were driving higher intent, longer retaining customers through this. So there had to be a, a better chance of that. And it seems like if a customer maybe didn't have as clear of segmenting as you did, like if a, if a company was maybe a, a bit younger in stage, this would, this would be a harder thing for them to try or get a, a effectiveness from. Um, you know, I still think you're absolutely right. And like the more, you know, established the company, the more customers the company has, um, I think it's easier and uh, for, you know, them to do an effective event. But I still think that every company that is in the place where they need to acquire new customers should consider, you know, running the event. It's just a matter of how big, you know, or how small the event is going to be. Hmm. You okay. don't necessarily need to go after like 26,000 like registrants or maybe not even 5,000. Maybe you want to start with 1,000 or 500. But then you still, you know, do this research, you figure out who is your uh, customer, what they need, what they're excited about. And then you offer this very valuable, high quality content, you know, and think how you connect this content to your product offer. So you can create multi-step funnel, you know, for this prospect to go through. Um, all right. I have more questions, but I'm going to pause on mine and jump into these because we have a few listener questions that were submitted. So, and I want to uh, be respectful of your time here. So, um, oh, we need to cover the results. That's what we didn't cover. That's what we always do in the show. We talk about the results that, uh, that you saw from it. So how, so your goal was 25,000 registrants, 1000 pro trial accounts, what were the results that you ended up seeing from these efforts? So we get to 26,000 registrants, like between 26,000 and 27,000. What was the most impressive? We got almost 3,500 pro accounts that eventually wow. converted out of those, you know, 26,000 registrants. That's that's not free trials. That's thirty five hundred actual paying actually accounts. paying accounts. Wow, and the majority of them were, you know, actually new uh, prospects, not our existing customers. Like we had only wow. eight or nine percent, you know, of the existing customers out of the whole, uh, you know, database. So the majority of them were newly acquired leads that eventually converted into free and then paying customers. That's so incredible. Wow. What a, what a result for you and the team. Um, and I have to say the, 
everything about the project is world class. If if you if you're listening and you want to go check out, it's igsummit.com. Is that right? It's igsummit.com. igsummit.com. The website is beautiful. It looks like so pro. It, you know, it looks like one of the uh, you know one of the biggest brands in the world like put this event on. So it's a really good example of. Of, of this being executed well. We actually won um, a couple of prizes for the design, you know, of the event. I don't remember the brands, but our design team was, you know, extremely happy. Like one of the top, you know, design brands that run this contest, they chose it as like number one website. Uh, that was the first thing that impacted, uh, impacted me when I went to check it out. I was like, wow, this is a really well done website. Um, what was, this was, this was vir virtual or in person or both? Only virtual. Only virtual. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. If you, if you haven't seen the website and you're looking for inspiration, you need to go look at it. Um, okay. So I have some questions now. If, if you have a few more minutes, uh, we'll go quickly Let's through them. It. And I think we covered some of this content. So, um, if you answered it, I'm not going to try and f remember back 40 minutes. So <laughs> if you know, you answered it, just, just skip it. Okay. Um, all right. From Ali, Ali asks, uh, Ali was a, was a guest in the show. How many of them were new contacts, not already part of the marketing ecosystem or email list? So less than 10%, as I already mentioned. So 90% of those folks were, um, new, uh, new customers and new prospects. And I think the reason why it was so little, I actually spent some time thinking and an analyzing is because six months prior to that, we had our first IG summit and, um, the existing customer base, you know, wasn't interested any longer. So 90% was completely new set of audience. Karen wants to know what channels were most effective. No, wait, we already answered mm -hmm. that. What channels were most effective in getting registrations? What was her budget and what tools did she use to determine ROI? So from the budget perspective, we spent around um, $550,000. A huge proportion of that was um, for the virtual platform that we, you know, potentially going to use for another channel. So it's good. The spend is going to be redistributed. And then uh, in terms of the tools that we use to analyze, first of all, um, as I already mentioned, we use internal tool where we have the code on the website, Visitor.js uh, tool that our analytics team then used to connect all the prospects and registrants to our existing customers. Then we analyze the performance of channels uh, just within the channels themselves. So Facebook ads, we see the performance there, but then the negative part there is you start over contributing. So then what the team does is it takes all the data and they run positional 40 attribution model where they make sure that basically we're not, you know, over contributing that we have, I guess it's 40% um, conversion dedicated to the first, you know, touch 40% to the last touch and then 20% of every channel that uh, the user interacted in bet between. Got it. Versus like a first touch only where you're giving a hundred percent of weight to it coming from Facebook or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Karen also asks, uh, 
Uh, oh, we covered that one. Okay. Bill asks, many things lead to the success of the event. Is there one thing that made that? One thing is, I, I, I want to say two things. The first one is um, the focus of the team. Uh, because I know, especially like I've been always at startups, like sometimes you try to do so many projects at the same time. So being focused, that was the most success. Uh, the second one is omni-channel approach. Like we were not depending on one channel, you know, to get the results. Like we tap into a lot of them, analyze them pretty quickly, chose the ones that were performing the best and, you know, tapped into those the most. Okay. Sorry, that was more than one. <laughs> That's okay. Bill, you got two for the price of one. Uh, Bill's second question is is the one thing, um, oh, this is a follow-up to it, uh, have the ability to, to sustain long-term success for future events. Yeah, do you plan on doing this as as a future event moving forward? For sure. So it won't necessarily be IG Summit. Uh, it will really depend on the goals of the company moving forward. Uh, but virtual events is definitely always going to be a part of the marketing mix. Would you consider doing different events based on different feature releases? Or do you feel you've kind of found a niche with Facebook and you want to like continue to lean into that? Can you iterate more on the feature releases versus Facebook? Yeah, so you mentioned like the integration with, with uh, Instagram or like Facebook Messenger was core to choosing this scope of content, this niche to have around. So do you anticipate in the future, many chat might do another integration, you know, with another platform and you'd expand it out? Or do you feel like this is, this is kind of core to like your bread and butter and you're going to keep kind of leaning into this for the foreseeable future? I think for now it is definitely a core. Uh, I would say the brand, you know, evolved into the platform solely focused on Facebook to omni-channel because we also have SMS, which is not dependent on Facebook, and we have email that is not dependent on Facebook. So the way I see that is an omni-channel platform, you know, for businesses. If we were solely to speak about the events, the way I see that evolve is once we define the new product um, or segment or persona, I would probably launch the summit just for that persona. And um, from the content perspective, you know, address one persona needs versus looking at it from the channels like Instagram, if that makes sense to you. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. Sarah asks two, two more people here. We have Sarah who asks, uh, what was the call to action? specifically? There were two main call to actions that we had. Uh, the first one is register, right, uh, to, to the summit. And the second one was start using the product. And a lot of content in between that we pushed through email was now you've got this IG summit ticket. If you were to go and register with the product, it would be way easier for you to consume actionable information that is going to be presented during the summit. So come prepared. Smart. I love it. What uh, was there an email follow up after the event 
or did the event directly drive the trials? Sounds like they directly drove them. Directly drove them, but then after the event, throughout the whole month, we had post-event communications and webinars, actually, uh, so smaller events, where the whole focus was, now that you've seen all this beautiful content, let us help you start utilizing that. So we had uh, two webinars, one live, one on-demand webinar where we walked, you know, the prospects through like the benefits of ManyChat now and, you know, how to, how the content that they learned could be applied with the platform and how to start using. Awesome. All right. Last question from Tara. Thank you so much for the questions, by the way. It's amazing. They're fun, aren't they? Yeah, I, I love I it. More people would submit. Uh, I, I, uh, I've asked, and like I told you, I've asked a number of times. They say we have this person coming on, and we're covering this topic, and yours just got flooded. Uh, maybe you need to just craft the messaging the same way as I did yours, or something. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, yeah, they're fun. I, uh-huh. These are really good questions. Thanks for everyone who submitted. Um, Tara asks, how long was the trial, and how many converted? I know we covered how many. Yeah, what I guess walk us through again, like in in summary, um, how how long was the free trial, and then to Tara's add on to Tara's question, what were the? Uh, can you remind us, like, what were total registrants, maybe free trials begun, and then conversions? So the trial was, um, and just to make sure I understand um, the pro trial if it's the pro trial we offered one month uh of all product you know features for free uh in terms of the results again twenty six thousand registrations 3500 uh pro accounts um honestly i don't remember the amount of free accounts so i'll i'll keep it all open (laughs) cool uh how long is your pro trial normally is it normally one month or was this like a an, an additional add-on? normally it's two weeks it's an addition add-on and the reason why we decided to go okay. with one month is uh because we had one month of post event nurturing campaigns laid out and we wanted to make sure that all of those folks had that one month you know to really dive deeper into the product learn how to use it and get all the benefits so they continue uh being many chat users Awesome. This has been uh, just so much fun to talk to you about. This has been an incredible interview. Thank you, Anna, for being so generous with your insights here and sharing everything that you have. I feel like this is going to be a really valuable episode for anyone who's looking to do a successful virtual event as well. That was so much fun. Thanks, Jeremiah, again for inviting. Thanks uh, for all of the guests um, for submitting the questions. And I am honestly here for you. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions, follow-ups, you want to chat and discuss, just reach out. I'm very uh, responsive. Awesome. awesome. Yes, go follow Anna on LinkedIn. Thank you again for coming on and see you next episode, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.